0: Craft beer is a bit of a wave, and it has been a bit of a wave for a while. It's been a long period of time where the waves come in, everyone's paddled as hard as possible, everyone's borrowed money, whether it's equity, crowdfunding, or grabbed some cash, reinvested into the business, generated ginormous amounts of debt to coast down this wave and keep on surfing. But there's some businesses that are going to miss the crest of that wave.
1: Welcome to episode 408 of Brews Newsweek, recorded on Thursday, the 3rd of March, 2023. I'm Sabrina Kunz, and I'm joined this week by our usual host, Ian Watson. Hey, Ian. Hey, Sabrina. And our returning special guest, Steve Brockman from South Australia. Hey, Steve. G'day, guys. How are you? Good. Um, I'll crack into the news. Um, A nice, real positive one to start the show this week um, Moffat Beach wins Best Beer at the Royal Queensland Beer Awards. Moffat Beach won Grand Champion Beer with its Moffs Summer Ale, Champion Small Medium Brewery, Best Queensland Beer and Champion Session as a trophy. And this is off the back of major wins for, uh, at similar levels for the Indies. Stomping Ground won Champion Large, I believe, for the second or third year in a row. Uh, Hound and Stag Brewery that opened on the Gold Coast on the 23rd of December took home a trophy, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, and Nail out of WA and Black out of WA also took home trophies. So, um, you know, a pretty good showing all round, but Moffat, you know, are the winners who keep on winning.
0: Continue from strength to strength. I, I, I tasted
2: that beer straight after the awards were were announced, and when they have some of the winning uh, the champion beers on tap there, and it, it was stunning. It was it was great. Uh, it was so nice and fresh. It was exactly what you wanted in in that sort of a beer. There was also the back to back too. The um, stomping ground um, for their Czech pilsner uh, that was a back to back. They won the same category with the same beer last year as well. So another brewery that's um, uh, just just racking it up in the Queensland awards.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Have either of you guys gone to Hound and Stag? I haven't heard of this brew before. Tell me more. I
2: tried to. Um, I tried to go on um, uh, just after New Year's, and they had an event on that day, and they told me I could come in, but it was $50 to go in for the event. They had a band playing, and I just wanted to go in and have a quick beer, so I didn't, but I will be back down there as, as soon as I can because um, it, it's, it's pretty well uh, well, it's very close to Black Hops too, uh, and I still have a lot of friends there, and, and it's not far away from, from Matic, and I love going down and having a, a beer there, so I'll, I'll get down there at some stage before too long and, and check it out.
0: Awesome. And some news got revealed in the uh, results there. I read Billabong Wheat by Nail Brewing, and I'm like, hold on, that doesn't quite work. Billabong is its own brewing company. What happened?
2: Yeah, I was, I was standing beside John uh, from Nail at the time, and... Um, they, they announced the winner is Billabong and he took off to go up and collect the award. And I thought, well, what's going on here? Or, or, or is he just filling in for the Billabong guys and accepting their award for them?
1: Yeah, so I think it, um, it was sort of news uh, a couple of months ago or it happened a couple of months ago and it was sort of, there was a bit going on and nothing had been announced. And then yesterday after the awards, uh, we all got media releases sort of with the formal announcement because um because, as you say, the, it was revealed to maybe folks who hadn't um, heard it on the grapevine, I suppose, or maybe in WA everybody knew, but certainly, um, yeah, that came out. And then Scarborough Harbour, who are also less than a year old, won uh, Best New Brewery and Best Brew Pub. And so, you know, in terms of bright sparks for the industry, some of these really new entrants are coming in. So you've got sort of the old hats of Moffat who just... You know, we can revisit the discussion around Moffs Summer Ale being one of the most awarded beers in the country. Um, and then you've got these new entrants coming in who are, you know, achieving from a blind tasting for quality product uh, right off the bat. And so I just think, you know, we need that bright spark right now. Yes. So um, on to other more, uh, I guess, we're in reporting season. So corporate news, growth up, profit down for good drinks. Good Drinks has published a bullish first-half financial report that the company says shows it has achieved excellent momentum. While the company reported that what it described as record revenues, sales growth failed to boost the bottom line with increased costs, seeing profit fall by more than 40% over the prior corresponding period. Despite the headline sales and revenue growth, profit for the period fell 41% from $3.58 million to $1.85 million for the quarter. And so first half financial is finishing 30 December 2022.
2: That could perhaps be a sign of rising costs uh, in the industry, yet um, not a rise in the sale price of, of, of beer, the wholesale price of beer. Um, to see, yeah. To see that sort of a, a disparity between uh, growth and profit, uh, and knowing the hardships and the difficulties that are going on for breweries with the costs of, of raw materials, with the cost of packaging goods, uh, with the cost of utilities, um, uh, that's just my first thought. It's probably something uh, along those lines. Maybe they've also in, uh, uh, invested in uh, other staffing or yeah. sales uh, channels, etc., which. Has cost them money at the moment, but they're going to see um, rewards from at some point in the in the future.
0: And I kind of read into that as well. Um, even though the profit has only uh, the profit has fallen to one point eight five million, it's still profit. So yeah, you know they're still generating some money there, which is a is a good kind of footnote really to the whole report there that there's still money being generated by the business. I mean, these guys built a very expensive venue in Fremantle, I think to the tune of about $10 million. So to still seeing profit come in for that business is a good sign. Mm. But yes, it's probably an indication that maybe everyone's getting the squeeze across the country uh, with costs, as Ian says.
1: Yeah, I think the couple of things uh, that I didn't read out there but did jump out of the article for me were – We discussed it, I think, a couple of weeks ago, or even last week. I can't remember when the stomping ground sale didn't go through, and they, you know, you had to say. uh, Whilst Good Drinks never commented on it further, and this article highlights that even in their in this report to investors, they didn't comment any further than they had done publicly, that they had obviously made a decision um, that craft with respect to craft beer. Uh, In this article, they talk about the momentum they've gained out of their distribution arrangements for larger larger international brands and how the scale of that sales workforce and distribution workforce was working for them and that they were interested in looking into that again. And so there was a suggestion in the article around what were some of those costs and as you said Ian rising costs but also increased employee costs so you know we don't know if that's another 100 employees or if it's increasing costs for employees overall we know that super contributions went up by 0.5 of a 0.05 of a percent or 0.5 of a percent in from 1 July last year that Falls then in this second half of the year, all of those costs are just compounding. So it's going to be really, really interesting, I think, strategically to see where Good Drinks goes, because to have a large indie ASX listed company that can find profit and growth is good for the market at large.
0: And at this time last year, when that Good Drinks um, announcement for Stomping Ground was announced. We were looking at, is Good Drinks now going to try and do a tent pole in different states? Are they trying to go across and acquire some other companies to tent pole some other markets Mm. in in the the eastern states? So it'd be interesting to see with Stomping Ground falling over that deal whether Good Drinks will reload and try and find someone else um, Mm. possible as a tent pole on the eastern coast.
1: Yeah it's going to be really fascinating. Certainly I think they're looking at other drinks so they've still got the Matt's Hoses coming in Monday, and they're looking at other non-beer related drinks Uh, which um, looking at Mighty Craft first half year results. So again these were um, they're required to publish these which is why we can talk about them. Uh, Better Beer Drives Mighty Craft half year results. ASX listed company Drinks company Mighty Craft has released its first half year results uh, for the 2022-2023 financial year, showing revenue growth, again, driven by BetterBeer. The company reported revenue of $45 million, an increase of 89% over the prior corresponding period, saying it was on track for a full year revenue, group revenues of $100 million. Better Beer accounted for almost half of the group's revenue with more than 4.7 million litres sold, generating revenues of 19.3 million for the company. Mighty Craft owns 37% of the Better Beer business, but through its sales and distribution agreement, Mighty Craft earns more than 50% of the brand's profits. Mighty Craft's Chairman, Mark Hazman, Chairman, Managing Director, uh, said this growth came at a time when their internal figures showed the craft beer category declined by approximately 12% in that h- half year. He said that this market analysis was calculated internally as a weighted average from scan data. Moving on to their hospitality venues, they reported positive EBITDA across the venues of $1.4 million, noting that the venues as a group were profitable during the half, And also notable, I think, they announced that uh, the venue plans with their Jetty Road Lawn Venue will be rebranded, Better Beer. So Better Beer is getting a a home, a venue.
0: A touch point.
1: A touch point.
0: A touch point where you can interact with the brand. 4.7 million litres for a brewery brand that didn't exist two and a half years ago.
1: It is that. I mean... I was talking to someone the other night and we're like, it's the unicorn, right? If craft beer as a category has declined by 12% in that same period, and I'm not saying it has, I'm saying Mighty Craft is saying it has, um, or somewhere close to it, if craft beer is in decline and better beer is increasing at those volumes and at that rate, someone is losing out of that pie and some of that pie might be indie brewers' a large chunk of that pie has got to be Lion and asahi because it's just the numbers aren't, the whole pie is shrinking and better beer is taking a larger, you know, slice of it. So um, it is the unicorn. But Mighty Craft as an entity, if better beer grows to the point where it can uh, renegotiate its sales and distribution agreements, and not give 50% of the profits back to Mighty Craft, I mean, they're a one-trick pony. Mighty Craft is is better beer. It it's, doesn't have a whole lot else going on.
2: Looking by that, it seems as though there are other revenues apart from better beer had also increased as well. I'm um, just doing a little bit of quick head math here. So and remembering that that 4.7 million litres, this is just a half-year so, it's a, uh, heading to 9.4 million litres a year. So, that's, that's, that's awesome. But uh, if they grew at 89%, so it means that everything has gone up a little bit for them. Yeah. Um, going by their, their revenues um, for the hospitality, um, said they noted that they were um, profitable as a group, which I would read into that as being that probably some of the venues weren't profitable yeah. and some of yeah. them were doing pretty well. Um, yep. So if they're looking at that as a group and thinking, well, there, there may be reasons why the one or two or whatever weren't profitable that they feel that they can um, work on work on those ones there. Uh, but I, I think even if you take better beer out of that, it it is an improving sign for, for Mighty Craft rolling forward.
0: 100%. I think that is probably a good sign rolling forward. But another question I have as well is putting them in lawn. Is the inspired unemployed... Do they have any connections to a lawn or how, how will it go to drop a brand, which is a national brand, into a regional regional pub? I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how that would go.
2: It doesn't seem like um, your first move for something like this, but seeing as though they own Jetty Road uh, 100% and they had that venue there, it's probably just an easy one for them to straight up go into that costs them nothing except for a rebrand um, on that. Um, but... I'd imagine that if they were uh, wanting to do a venue model or a touch point for Better Beer straight from scratch, that probably would, I don't know lawn at all, but it probably wouldn't be the first place that I would think to put a brand like this. Um, how, however, it's just something that's very easy for them to, to do as they have access to it straight away.
1: It, to your point, uh, what I was trying to do there was, in my mind, make a reasonable connection between what is the spiritual home of Better Beer and To me, the spiritual home of Better Beer are um, the Inspired Unemployed and they are locationless, right? So this is a pub somewhere. It, It is sort of reverse engineering how a lot of our small breweries start, which is it starts from that local community and it builds out. They've built an international community and are now bringing it to like a small a small venue a spot yeah so it's like it's a reverse engineer but hey um they figured out stuff nobody else has figured out so good on them
2: well let's see that's a, uh, something they can use to their advantage too seeing as though no one has um, uh, pinned them down or as to being having a, a spiritual base that's in one particular location uh, they've existed and got into this you know phenomenal amount of beer quickly without having that uh, so they can do this in lawn they could Open one up in Wollongong, or you know, uh, they could open one up in Mackay. Uh, it doesn't really matter, I suppose. Then you know, they can and they can then brand that and activate that in a way that, that works for them because they're not having to be tied to an area. I would have thought that you know, if you're wanting to do it from scratch, putting it in the centre of a major city would be the, the the your first pick. But when you've got access to that straight away, why not? If you wanted to. Uh, put on your cans about why your your brewery is in the, on the surf coast, perhaps there is someone that you could speak to. Thank you. D- does anyone have any idea who you would go to speak to if you wanted to let know that your your product is now available uh, in on the surf coast?
1: I might speak to uh, Brad and Paul from Rowling's Labels, Stickers and Packaging, Ian.
2: Would that be because beer can labels are regarded these days as the new mini billboard of the beverage industry? They say a lot as an advertisement you can hold in your hand. The label is a genuine conversation starter. The label is also providing a new voice to the designers and artists with a very public canvas to present some terrific artworks and some tongue-in-cheek quicks. Just brilliant. Seriously, though, to get all the specs right so your can or bottle looks at its best at all times, call the guys at Rallings Label Sticks and Packaging on 1300 852 235 or email sales at rallingsprint.com.au to see how they can make your brand sing.
1: Good job, Ian. Following on from, uh, the Mightycraft article, uh, there was actually some content at the bottom that was Mightycraft and Ballistic. So in the, uh, first, the half year update, Mightycraft noted that the results did not include the impacts of Ballistic Beer entering voluntary administration. Mightycraft's 10% shareholding in the company, however, has been written down by $2.03 million to $400,000. An administrator's report to creditors, seen by Brews News, shows Ballistic went into administration with debts totaling more than $5.8 million. But Mightycraft is listed as one of the largest trade creditors owing more than $641,000. So we thought it would be um, prudent to give a bit of an update on Ballistic to the extent that we can. Um, we're, uh, Bruce News are waiting to put together an article on this, but the second meeting of creditors took place yesterday, the 1st of March, actually just before the Queensland Beer Awards, for each of Ballistic Beer, and Balli- so Ballistic Salisbury and Ballistic Springfield, they're two different companies, At both meetings, the creditors had to vote on a proposed deed of company arrangement, and I thought it might be helpful to set out exactly what that means. So a deed of company arrangement is a binding agreement between the creditors of a company and the company setting out how the affairs and assets of a company will be dealt with. Entering a docker is a way that a company can avoid a total and immediate winding up, as in going straight into liquidation, and can allow creditors to get a bit of return on their investment. So the purpose of the scheme is essentially to enable creditors to do better than they would if the company had gone straight into liquidation. Bruce News has received numerous uh, pieces of information about what took place at those meetings um, from various sources, I should say, but that reporting isn't consistent to enable us yet to be able to put together an article that is um, clear and specific. So um, our team of journalists, they've reached out to the administrators for combo and, and clarity on exactly what the next steps are. Um, Ian, full disclosure, you were a creditor at one of those meetings. Is there anything yes. you wanted to add about your personal experience
2: My personal experience with it was that the docker was voted down. Uh, So for a docker to get up, it must have the support of the majority of creditors in numbers and the majority of creditors in debt to them. Uh, And it was voted down. Um, At the end of that, the administrator then said, the the docker has been voted down. I will prepare the company for sale within 45 days. Um, But I believe that other people have said other things back from there. So, and I haven't heard anything from the uh, administrators or liquidators to um, uh, their official position, but that was as I heard it um, there in that room at that time. And that was the end of the meeting that was left.
1: Yeah, so I think what's important for everyone uh, listening to understand is that all of the reporting coming out to Bruce News has said exactly what you just did then in the sense that the deed of company arrangement was not approved. Um, However, without clear confirmation from the administrators into precisely what the next steps are, what this means, what this means for the whole of Ballistic Group, um, we don't want to speculate because it's the livelihoods of everyone involved um, across the fo- the whole company. So we want to make sure that there's clear reporting uh, and that that information is being um, passed through the appropriate channels to those affected uh, and not coming through um, bruised news in any way that isn't clear and specific. So... Uh, you know, not a lovely, um, no nice reporting coming out of this experience, and certainly, you know, Ian yourself and other employees, but certainly, you know, a lot of the management team. You, you know, this is going to affect everyone, a lot of people.
2: Yeah, it, it is now uh, affecting a lot more people than it all already was. Um, so we'll we see when we get advice from the um, administrators as to what their next step is from. Um, from here and I would be expecting uh, as a creditor some communication from them uh, before too long uh, on that.
0: Just on that too like with people that are outside of this issue but still within the brewing industry to see that the creditors are all listed from top to bottom in order of value the creditors that are all owed the least generally are the staff where really they should be the ones that are first taken care of. So if there is anyone out there in the industry that has jobs, the availability to bring some people on, um, definitely reach out to some people and see if you can get that going. Um, the craft beer industry is only as good as the support it puts up. So if you can do something, please do.
1: You know, this rolls into our next uh, piece of news that that came out this week, uh, which is also uh, not great, but, hasn't reached that next step to be able to comment on it, and that is Tribe Breweries enters administration. Tribe Breweries is the latest brewing business to enter voluntary administration, appointing FTI Consulting to take control of the business. The company operates a 35 million litre brewery in Goldburn. Uh, also the wild gluten-free brand, and acquired the Mornington Brewery in 2018. It owns the Stockade Brew in Sydney's Inner West, best known as the brewery featured in the binge television series, Colin from Accounts. Um, the administrators will soon make a call for the first statutory meeting of creditors, which is due to take place next week, the 9th of March. So that's the time at which they will be able to essentially announce their appointment and, and really start to get a handle on what is the situation of the company. Uh, Management have said that the the company's financial structure and debts cannot support the business at a time of challenging trading conditions. And after exploring a range of options, the directors believe this step will provide the best opportunity to protect the future of the business. So just like when Ballistic went into voluntary administration and easy times before it, uh, using this as an opportunity to say can we save the business going forward um, the brewery there's some detail in the article you should read about the private ownership structures of the uh, of tribe uh, and the directors but needless to say you know tribe undertakes contract brewing for a number of breweries probably many small independent breweries and brands and so um, this, could be an administration, uh, depending on how things turn out, both in the immediate term and the longer term, that has ongoing effects for, you know, a number of entities, businesses and people in the industry?
2: Yeah, this has a a really wide reach on this one. Um, uh, Small independent breweries could uh, feature on both sides of the tribe situation, both as creditors or or debtors um, to them. And... We don't know anything about the the depth of what this means for for Tribe, um, but it it, could, it does potentially have um, a wide-reaching effects, and I'm sure there's a lot of people um, asking a lot of questions, a lot of breweries that are that are, are asking a lot of questions um, at the moment about, about this and interested to know to know more and how it's going to affect their company.
0: And having smaller craft indie brewers that are getting their beer contract brewed. Generally, they're on the smaller side because they're going to someone else in order to package that beer to get a national footprint. So they're definitely those breweries that are kind of in that growth phase to now be tied up in either owed money or owing money to a business that's an administration. it's This is a pretty big domino that could knock down a fair few more dominoes across our industry.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked a Hopefully, we've talked a lot about the staff that are going to be impacted. So it was just it was ballistic, and now it's going to be those at Tribe. Uh, but equally impacted are our industry suppliers. So um, and they will be businesses that we all know and interact with. And you, you know, um, we really should bear in mind that a number of those industries are ones that we rely on to support sort of activities like uh, the IBA like BrewCon, like Brews News and other publications uh, and if they're going to be impacted through a a range of dominoes, as it were, um, and we don't know that, we're speculating, but given the economic environment and, you know, we're in March of this year um, and we've had these two major events, it doesn't seem necessarily like these will be the last and so this cumulative impact on our on our industry suppliers is also you know at an industry level something we should be thinking about
0: yeah and I guess it's that money and that support right so all of these conferences and everything if you're a business that's supplying the brewing industry and all of a sudden you're lost 50,000 100,000 150,000 dollars that money's got to come from somewhere and obviously the easiest one is to take away from support for a conference or support for a podcast or support for whatever they might be doing because in the end of it, they're businesses too. They've got to protect their bottom line and protect their own staff. So,
1: Or even like extending payment terms, right? It might have been, well, we were always generous and we didn't really ding you until you were 60 days over. Well, now we're going to try and mitigate our own risk because our own exposure... To these sorts of events is getting too large, so actually we can't extend you beyond thirty days. We're not going to supply you anymore, right? The the narrowing the 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 roll on effect of uh, concern that would be created amongst these other companies and amongst the industry, and we should say as well, probably amongst the ATO, the uh, the Australian Tax Office, uh, no doubt. Um, you know they were one of the largest creditors uh, that in the ballistic voluntary administration and would likely, although we haven't seen anything, be a creditor in the tribe situation, big or small. And so it it is this sort of, well, what does this mean? Do payment terms decrease, Does support reduce? Do people get a bit nervous that they're not going to recoup their cash flow? And then if you're a really tiny brewery who's just surviving and you're managing your cash flow on a really tight wire and all of a sudden you can't get, and I don't want to name a raw ingredient because I don't want anyone to get upset, but malt water hops yeast um, to make your next beer that has to pay for the bill that you've already got owing, it's a slippery slope for those breweries as well.
2: Yeah, talking about uh, thinking about supplies was one of the things that I thought all of this could add up to the the way that they have to deal with um, the breweries in order to to give themselves a little bit more certainty. And, yeah, um, payment terms might have to um, become a little stricter for them in order to, to give themselves a little bit
0: more surety. And for all those small breweries out there that are, you know, planning on starting and, and listening and going, oh, there's all this doom and gloom, you know, cash flow is king. Make yeah. sure you go in with as much money as possible and just really have a bit of a war chest so... You've got some money in reserve there. I know a lot of the suppliers at the moment, they require money up front, for you, even just to get your initial orders, and you've got to pay money up front for two, three, four, five orders before they let you even put anything on a 30-day term. Um, so we might see that being more stringently uh, attached or might be a certain val- value of, of, of product before you can even get onto 30-day terms. So it all has a knockdown effect. Um, you know, people going to voluntary administration is not good for the industry.
1: Brews News we often want to talk about like what are the systemic things that we can learn because we don't want to single any individual out. We don't want to single but but this is sort of at a system-wide level we're seeing pressures that we maybe haven't seen for quite a number of years. Um, We've seen a lot of, you know, the number of breweries in the country is the largest it's ever been. Uh, Costs of goods are ridiculously high. We're on pressure for um, a workforce, a skilled workforce, you know, lots of breweries can't find skilled staff. We've got um, debts, forgiveness during COVID for excise is sort of coming due and payable at the same time. So there's just this sort of uh, snowball effect and... You know, if you are thinking about it, as you were speaking, Steve, I thought about this article from Parched Brewing. It was a lessons learned that our journalist Vivian did, and he basically said, "It, however much working capital you think you need, you need 50% more just to get started." So, again, you know, um, it, it's not to be doom and gloom, but it is to say, if you don't have a handle on your cash flow right now, and I'm sure everybody does, um, it's just going to be a, it's it's going to be tough. You've really got to have a business model right now.
2: But particularly if you're trying to do a high volume output um, and low margin, uh, if that's your brewery's model, at a time when we are getting squeezed by the costs of, as we were just talking earlier, the costs of raw materials, of packaging goods and of utilities going up, yet not the wholesale price going up, um, that's just that, that squeeze that squeeze there and that that would make things really, really difficult. It's slightly different in a brew pub scenario, but there are other cost difficulties in doing that as as well. And yeah, as Steve said, cash flow is 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 the absolute king to it all.
0: I often say to people too that craft beer is a bit of a wave and it has been a bit of a wave for a while. It's been a long period of time where the waves come in, everyone's paddled as hard as possible, everyone's borrowed money, whether it's equity, crowdfunding or grabbed some cash, reinvested into the business, generated ginormous amounts of debt to coast down this wave and keep on surfing. But there's some businesses that are going to miss the crest of that wave. It's just inevitable. There's some businesses that are right at the peak of that wave that are going to go over the falls and just get absolutely KO'd And there's some that are sitting at the back going what do we do next you've got to wait for the next wave so you've got to be prepared um so i would really encourage breweries that are out there to stop and just think about where your business is at maybe not growing just for growth's sake and really just like battening down the business plan and growing in a sustainable way don't carry a lot of debt i think it's probably pretty basic advice but across the industry we all need to slow down just a second and realize that hey maybe trying to get ranged in every national store in Dan Murphy's is is maybe not the best thing for my business
1: and so I'm gonna add sort of two things one is directly relevant and the next is a bit tangential but the first is I was having a conversation with a new brewery the other night I had had similar conversations a bunch of times this is advice that I'm sure you all know and so I'm just repeating it but um You need to increase your spend for every person that walks into your brewery and one of the ways that you can increase your spend is merch is having a decent retail merch offering that you can make profit on and this small brewery had said to me oh that's really expensive there are a range of services out there there are online platforms I'm not giving a free plug to beer fans but I am giving a free plug to beer fans there is a range of ways that you can use merch and you might think it's an extra $20 uh, or $10 here or $10 there but if it's a if it's an income stream that increases your per head spend in your physical premises, that is one of the number one things that you can try and control and measure for your small business. So given that the brew pod model is where so many of our small breweries at, that is something that is that you can tangibly work on as a problem and you can measure whether what you're doing has an impact. So I would say that is one thing that I think, you know, folks should be doing. And the second piece that I wanted to add, which is um, uh, usually in other news, but Matt had a great conversation in Beer as a Conversation with Pete Brown, a, a beer writer out of the UK. And there are a couple of things that stood out for me in that conversation. The first was that most people under 30 today don't know a time before craft beer was widely available. They are used to walking into a bar and having a range of, a brewery, a bar and having a range of options. And the second was that nothing truly innovative has been coming out of craft beer for a while. Even a new style, everybody goes, Can you? the comment was something along the lines of, can somebody please innovate so we can all copy that? And this was a comment from Pete. And so I think under this pressure situation where companies are needing to look at truly different things, I was having a conversation um, with the guys from range about the work that they do around sort of the technical brewing side of innovation. Um, And I would just sort of say now, is the time more than ever that, you know, under pressure creates a diamond, you know, is there something truly innovative that your company hasn't done, can do? What is the innovation pipeline as an industry as a whole? And that's something that we've been looking at because structurally there are a lot of challenges to the industry. But one thing is, you know, what are some real innovations that are still out there? And, And that's a hard task to do when you're running a business and you're trying to manage cash flow and how can I increase my spend but but there are businesses out there and so that's why uh, getting together as groups you know there's an opportunity there so I'm hopeful that out of this sort of my, my positive to this is I think there are some really small tangible things that individual businesses can focus on that are measurable that can make a difference to them and then the second is I'm hopeful that Some true innovation will come out of this period, and I'm not talking six months, three months. I'm talking like the next five years, three to five years. Um, that will really set craft beer or the beer industry on a different tangent again.
2: Yeah, I was listening to that um uh, interview on the way, all on the way to work and the way home from work today. Haven't got all the way through it yet, but that they were the things that struck me, and you know, um, uh. Uh, I, I was something that I was very much in, in, in agreement with and sort of been thinking to myself for a while, but we don't know what those new innovations are until they happen, until someone strikes goal with it. Um, the other thing that Pete said in there that, that that's, this struck me and something I read in a business book a long time ago, and it is absolutely... Um, uh, uh, we've got to consider this at the moment when there are difficult times, and if some breweries do go under, is that one in four Businesses fail yeah. within the first three years, um, so we're not seeing that many failures in the in the beer industry. So it's got to catch up to us at some stage, and we can also look at it and go, well, on a positive, we're still doing better than the business world as a whole with the amount of failures we have for the amount of startups that we that we have. So we we are, at, we, you know, that that's something Pete said in that interview, and it's something that I read in in a book, maybe nearly twenty twenty years ago. So that is something to remember when we start to get doom and gloom about uh, some places coming into difficulty because unfortunately just the law of odds, there will be some that it, it happens to, unfortunately. And some of those will be places that make your favorite beer in the in, in the world or a beer that you just can't imagine why not everyone else is drinking. But it just hasn't worked for some for some reason. It will it will happen.
0: And probably worth mentioning too, like when we talk about some of these companies having quite large debts it's almost a regular part of running a business, you know, taking on those debts. And it's in brewing, it's always you run, 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 you get to a plateau and you know you can make a certain amount of money at that plateau. But then you look ahead and go, there's another plateau up there. And if we just belt it and completely invest all the money, take on the debt and just charge towards that next plateau, then we know that we'll be able to kind of make money at that plateau again. And for whatever reason, you know, businesses don't take these decisions lightly to take on debt. They go, I think we can definitely make it to that plateau. And then something pops up like COVID or something pops up like rising costs or, you know, that's that's where the businesses get themselves into trouble. So businesses holding debt is not necessarily a bad thing. It It, it funds growth, but it's something that businesses have to be more careful of. And I would say in the current economic climate, if you're a small business, start thinking about how much level of debt you're holding and what kind of the what the, what the way out is.
1: And, and even for the big businesses though like I think you know we, we talked earlier about the slice of the pie that better beer must be taking. I'm sure that the largest businesses uh, and the reduction in people drinking craft beer I mean they're addressing these problems at a macro macro level but they're not immune from the problems and the staff working in those businesses are not immune from the problems and they will be looking to to do with their business is the best way to keep the business going so i think you know the the scale is different the the opportunities are different the the innovation pipelines are different the money behind it is different but the problems are still there from big to small right so i i think we're going to see um you know all across the spectrum of brewery sizes Um, Which leads me to our next supporter for this week's uh, Brews News Week. The Asia-Pacific section of the Institute of Brewing and Distilling, the IBD, has finalised its technical program for their 37th convention. It will be one of the most exciting technical and social events for all professionals of the drinks industry in Asia-Pacific. This year's program sets a new record with over 70 presentations, including workshops and panel discussions The focus of the convention program is sustainability and innovation while celebrating the history of the Asia Pacific section, which commemorates its 70th anniversary. That's pretty impressive. The convention involves more than just technical learning. It creates a forum for networking and business opportunities for brewers and suppliers with a concurrent trade exhibition featuring 47 exhibitors. This convention is taking place at the Adelaide Oval from Monday 20th to Friday the 24th of March with the technical sessions and trade exhibition running from Tuesday to Thursday plus social and networking events. You can read the full program uh, and we'll put the link in the show notes but ibd.org.uk and search conventions um, and we'll put a link in the show notes so I'm sure folks I know Matt is getting down to Adelaide in March and hopefully it will be a great chance for the industry to get together and think about some new ways um, you know some innovations for for the word going forward in the next five years. Uh, so, with that finished, uh, we've touched on already in other news. Uh, we've t- talked about the Pete Brown conversation. People moves. Uh, Bruce Hughes has published a People Moves uh, article this week, Vivian, uh, and, and some big changes here. Uh, Jane Lewis stepping away from two birds is a fairly notable one.
2: What a legend. Yeah, uh, it seems that she's going in a completely different direction with it, too. It's still a touch point to the brewing industry. Um, but. Jane has always come across to me as a very much a people person, and I, I think she's um, from what she said, from what I've read of it, um, she's very much enjoying that that, that coaching and um, HR aspect, and so wants to be able to her, to move her career forward in in that way. But uh, Jane has been around the industry for for a long time. I believe she's a winemaker uh, originally, before a brewer, uh, if if I'm remembering right, and um, as as well as Two Birds, it was um, uh at at Mountain Goat as head brewer there, and uh, from Little Creatures as well. And I think she worked in both cider and brewing for Little Creatures. Um, although I, I, I'm not 100 percent on that, but I, I believe that. But Jane has Jane has been a feature of the industry for a, for a, for a long time, and someone enjoy have enjoy having a beer or or a, or a gin and tonic with uh, from time to time. Um, so yeah, that's quite a quite a big bit of quite a big bit of news in, in people moves.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fantastic individual. Always had time for uh, brewers that were not necessarily at a level, would always help out people where she could. So, um, just a wonderful person to be involved with craft and yeah, wish her the very best for whatever her next moves are. Absolutely.
1: And I think, as Jane sort of a stalwart, and I, you know, I don't want to harp on the women's side, the fact that she's a female because she is, uh, has made an impact in her own right. Um, But I will flag that uh, Lindsay Greig, who was at Stomping Ground for a number of years, is moving on to Beer 30 with the fifth ingredient. So again, stepping sort of outside of that brewing, but still in the industry side. Um, And a couple of big appointments at Lion, a couple of uh, near head brewer for Shed Shaker Brewing, a couple of big sales appointments. And so, you know, really good mix, I guess. It's really interesting to see where people are going. And a lot of them are keeping their indus- keeping their career in the industry, uh, but really taking quite different approaches. So best of luck to everybody who's moved and obviously to Jane and fingers crossed, um, you know, she goes on to something that makes her really happy. Yeah. Uh, what else? So, Bruce News has a new website. <laughs> this is my news of the week. Um, How could you forget? I, I forgot. I, that's ridiculous. Um, Bruce News has a new website. Everyone, um, please check it out. Although uh, it's still a little glitchy, we're just we're literally commissioning it. Came online uh, first thing on the first of March. Um, our business is information and so the entirety of the Bruce news business exists in this website change uh, so it was a fairly sizable one for us and one of the largest changes that matt um, and bruise news have made in uh aside from the current website that was sort of many years old so um looking forward to your feedback on it hopefully it makes things easier cleaner to read everything's more sorted you can tell what is paid for content and what is news uh and also and i'll be um asking folks to tweet this we've got the link there to the speak Pipes. you can leave us some voicemails and tell us about something nice that's going on in the industry i'm really keen to hear uh, you know a great customer service experience you had from someone in the industry a positive interaction you had with, you know, your boss or coworker, a great charity experience that you had, anything in there that is, as we get the news that feels a bit heavy, that is a positive daily interaction that other people might find some joy in. So I will be sharing that link into the Radio Bruce News group and hopefully we can play some of those on the podcast so we can still remember why we all love to work in, in the beer industry. Um, and one of the, speaking of love to work in the beer industry, um, we got a lovely note about brewery of the week. Uh, this week. So a uh, brewery of the week is sponsored by Bluestone Yeast who can supply pitches of yeast from one litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you are after a one-off pitch or you're looking for weekly, fortnightly or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has got you covered. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call Derek on 038518 3172 and talk all things yeast. Uh, and the recommendation that came in through the Radio Brews Use Facebook group, and I thought was um, very apt, came from Anna Battersby for Deepwater Brewing. Visited this little brewery in Deepwater, New South Wales. If you blinked, you would have missed the entire town. Great venue, catering to families, dogs, and beer lovers who wanted quality and variety. Thought this sign summed up some of the challenges of opening a brewery, and because this is a podcast, you can't see the sign, so I'm going to read it out to you. Deepwater Brewing brewed using traditional, costly, inefficient and labour-intensive process for the love of beer. Fantastic. and uh, And I thought, what a recommendation. We should be giving that to everyone.
2: There are awesome people at Deepwater Brewing. I know them, uh, Marshall and Isaac. And in one of those Kevin Bacon moments, yes, I've actually brewed on that system uh, with them. <laughs> um, and uh, But it's a tiny town. It's sort of... Um, uh, between Tenerfield and Glen Innes, um, about half an hour sort of in between both Um, and, yeah, up in the the high country there, nice and cold Um, and, yeah, lovely spot and really good people that make, you know, some really nice little beers there.
0: Fantastic.
1: I just love, you know, Anna sent it in. It it is really lovely to showcase these breweries that might not, you know, everybody might not know, but now you might go out of the way to find. So I'm very excited about that one. And I think that just about wraps up our news this week. Your hosts have been me, Sabrina Kunz, Ian Watson and Steve Brockman. The show is produced by Vivian Topalovich and edited by Joe Helder. We want to thank Rowling's label stickers and packaging, the IBD and Bluestone Yeast for their support in making this episode possible. Thank you to you all for your contributions by email, text or phone in the Radio Brews News group. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify to help more folks in the brewing industry find the show. Please check out our website um, and the speak pipe and leave us a message. Chat next week and we're out.